0: Welcome to Thrive in Design, a podcast about making money and beautiful interiors as it relates to product-based businesses in the interior design industry. Each week, we'll discuss innovative strategies on how to approach product development and design sales in a shifting market. I'm your host, Nicole lachey Ben. Welcome back for another episode of the Thrive in Design podcast. I'm super excited about today's episode because we are talking about the metaverse. Erin McDonald is our guest today. She is a CEO and co-owner of Lighting Environments and its sister company, Environments. She's guided clients throughout the entire lighting design and construction process for over two decades. Trained as an interior designer, McDonald joined Baltimore's new design light firm in the sales department in 2003 before becoming co-owner in 2009. Under her leadership, the company rebranded to Lighting Environments to reflect the company's expansion into lighting technology offerings for all built environments. Now, a pioneer for IoT, also known as Internet of Things, integration and building and workplace management, McDonald is leading today's workforce through powerful digital transformation with the Elevated Environments Act. Environments is an IoT integrator and software development company offering full-scale adaptable solutions that support businesses from end-to-end, from energy management to health monitoring. Through every development and service, environments elevates physical spaces to allow for cutting-edge interaction and collaboration with the digital twin, metaverse, and beyond. It continues to cultivate spaces that support health and wellness within connected environments serving each user and occupant. All right. And welcome to the show, Erin. I'm so glad to have you
1: here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yes. So I always like to start asking my guests about their journey in the design industry. So why don't we start by you telling me what led you to study interior architecture and pursue a career in the interior design field?
1: Sure. Well, I think I'm a creative naturally. I'm very interested in art growing up and was an artist and So I think that that played into it. And and when it came time to pick a career for college, it was between that and graphic design. And I really fell in love with interior design. So I went that direction. My father was also, is also an architect. So it definitely informs my path forward. That's amazing. And
0: I love how like art led the way for you. I feel like I have a similar journey to that, even though I did not know how to draw when I decided (laughs) I wanted to go to interior design school. Right. I love that. So with your career path over the years and how your career really has evolved from that interest in art and design, and then now you're really in the tech space in the design world, what has been your inspiration recently in your role with Environments?
1: Well, it's interesting. With Environments, I was working for uh, a lighting manufacturers representative and, you know, I was running that company And as I mentioned, I am a creative, but I also like the technical aspect of things. And I actually, we started writing software in 2020 as a response to the pandemic and some needs to integrate building systems. It started off as a really simple curiosity, but I think that writing software is one of the greatest expressions of creativity um, that I never knew existed because you can write your own path through and you can write outcomes in that path and you can tell stories and you can take it wherever you want. And I think that that's really fascinating. Also, you know, when it comes to creativity, you can write in different languages, you know, software languages, computing programming, that sort of thing. But what's interesting about that is understanding the languages enough to be able to use them to your advantage. So it just got so technical, but in the technical aspect of it became this beautiful expression of creativity that I never knew existed. So,
0: And it's really interesting the way you just talked about that. It almost sounded poetic in talking about writing software, the creativity and the storytelling behind it, because a lot of times I know for me, at least writing software or the data behind it and everything just sounds super techie. You would never put it together with creativity. So I love how you talked about that. Yeah. So I shared a little bit in your intro about what you are doing over at Environments, but tell us a little bit about Environments and what your specialty is there.
1: Sure. I'll go back to the lighting manufacturers rep because that's how we started. We were selling lighting and lighting controls and the lighting controls became Can we get cameras? Can we get thermostats? Can we also, you know, connect all these things under one system? And we started to work with other manufacturers to do that. And we were having trouble integrating under their software. And I just really wanted something where in our office, I didn't have to have 30 different apps to look at one office. I really wanted to look at my thermostats, at my cameras under one interface. It really started that simple. It became a lot more than that. But then we moved on from there and we started to write that software and we started to ask the question about how we want to see the data displayed. And we as designers all work in AutoCAD and Revit and we understand living in these 3D drawings. And we were talking about displaying our data from our building in these 3D drawings. And while we were in those 3D drawings, we asked ourselves, well, could we put people in there? Would it make any sense to put people in there, avatars in the form of an avatar? And this was in the midst of the pandemic. And I thought to myself, well, we're all working in these hybrid work environments, and I'm trying to solve the problem of connecting the brand to the people. And we as designers know that there's a significant amount of branding in your real estate. And that has really paid off for us in in the form of showrooms in our business. And so I thought that maybe this would be a great way to connect our brand to the people in a hybrid work environment and to reinforce the importance of real estate by creating these, what have become digital twins, if you will, of our spaces and then taking avatars and people and putting them in our digital twins.
0: Okay, so I'm going to, Back up one moment, because for the people who are listening, (laughs) they might start hearing some words that are like, okay, I need the definition of it, right? So Mm -hmm. I love the evolution that you said you were having all these apps that you were controlling the office through, and that evolved Mm -hmm. into understanding the workplace and how you're working in this hybrid environment. And then you said a couple of keywords there with one digital twins, (laughs) And avatar, and I know that all of this is related to the metaverse. Yeah. So break down in layman's term for the audience, those three words, metaverse, digital twins, avatar. Tell us what it is.
1: Okay, I'll also throw AI in there. Yes, please. Yeah, that's gonna come in the future. But okay, so digital twin, it is a digital representation of something. In our case, in the architectural world, it's the digital representation of a space. So it's a three-dimensional digital representation of the space. So it's just like you would see in Rabbit or something, you know, like a, a blender or some kind of, you know, program that can render spaces, only they become functional in a sense. So you're feeding information into them real time and they're deciphering the information into that. And that's what a digital twin is. But it's really interesting because there are some nuances between the vernacular in the industry. The difference between digital twin and metaverse is really nothing. You can have a digital twin and you put it on a server and you open it up to the rest of the world having access to it. It's essentially becomes the metaverse in a sense. So let me give you an example. If you took your Revit file and made it public and put it on a server for all to go to, that would be the metaverse, if you will. You can connect it to other worlds if you want, or you can keep it completely separate. It doesn't really matter. The difference between digital twin and metaverse really isn't much. I decipher them myself by digital twin is for building controls. And then I once we put people in, It bridged the gap and went to metaverse for me because this becomes an interactive sort of world that lots of people have access to, you know, but really it's so early and, you know, in the inception of all of these things that the terms haven't really all been standardized. So it's important for your clients and for people to understand they don't know the word. It's okay to ask or understand what that person is referring to. Now, AI is something different. It's artificial intelligence. And there's another term called AGI, which is artificial general intelligence. And I'll tell you the difference between the two because I think these are important for consumers to understand. AI is an algorithm written in a program. An algorithm is a mathematical calculation written in a program to determine different sets of data. There's no brain or computer behind it. It literally is a piece of code that says, I want you to look at this and this together and tell me what that means. And as a programmer, you have to tell it what to look for. It doesn't go looking for itself. So AI is not as intelligent as we try to like refer to it. Artificial general intelligence is something different. That stands for things like chatbot and some of the other AGI programs out there where they're, you type in, can you describe a world for me? And it describes a world or it makes associations with things, two different sets of information it grabs off the Internet and makes associations and can make general intelligence claim about it. So it takes it one step further. And it's really important for consumers to know the difference between the two because the, the way that we're feeding AGI these days can be a, sort of a dangerous thing sometimes. So we have to be careful.
0: Yeah, I think and one thing I've been hearing a lot of people say recently because I've been posting about AI and a lot of the themes for the season of my podcast is about AI. A lot of people are scared of it. right? Yeah. And I think the more information If people learn about it, whether it's AI or AGI or the metaverse or digital twins, I think the more people will become comfortable with it. Okay, so I'd love to go back to something that you said in terms of the digital twins and it being a representation of space in 3D Mm -hmm. and it can become functional. So what does that mean exactly?
1: It means you feed the data into that digital twin and you look at the data in three-dimensional way. We look at data in two dimensions for buildings right now and also in text, but we don't look at it in a third dimensional. So let's say the air conditioner is blowing heat, then red comes out of the air conditioner vents in the digital twin, or it shows some sort of rendition of what, or we're taking heat mapping of our space and we typically look at heat maps in 2D, two dimensions but now we're able to go in the third dimension and look at it 360 degrees. So we're understanding, you know, it's interesting where you know where the hot spots in the office or in your in your warehouse or wherever it is, where the hot spots are based on temperature readings. It just gives you a better way to decipher data in a more spatial perspective than you had before. And those spatial perspectives sound like they might make just a minuscule amount of difference, but they make a significant amount of difference. I can give you an example of that. On my heat map, I have a line of red and red depicts where people are and it goes back and forth and back and forth. And I had to understand like, what is that line? And what does that mean? Why are people walking back and forth? Well, since people came back to the office, people like to get up and move around and be on the phone. And they're they're walking it's almost like we need a walking track in our office because they're pacing more and more, so we're understanding the human behavior in our office more so that we can attribute those to make design decisions in the future and really understand how busy our real estate is and how it's being utilized. Another thing that we learned that we had a sixty percent occupancy on average, but we were using a hundred percent of our office, so that was. Visualized through the digital twin. You can put people counters into your office for smart buildings, and we can count how many people come in. And you can judge how busy your office based on how many people come in and out, but it doesn't really tell you how you're using the space. So combining the data and layering it on top of each other gives you a different story. And I would have gotten more real estate space actually, had I not understood some of those things. Like I'm at 60%, we're using 100%. I'm just at that threshold where I need to maybe get more real estate space, but I just want to get it above 60% before I actually do that. So I'm trying to meet some numbers and I have different goals now based on growth with some of this information that I've learned.
0: Yeah. And then with all of those data points and understanding how people are using the space, the occupancy of everything, at what point should people be considering that data? Before they are leasing an office space, after, as the workplace is evolving, or is it continuous understanding of the data?
1: I think, I think now <laughs> would be the answer. And the, the reason is, and it could be before and after, I think that a smart building is often attributed to like that's got to come out of the construction budget. And I don't think that's necessarily true. I think the insights that we're getting from this are go far beyond our construction budget, it goes into operations budgets and real estate. And we're even understanding as a company now how to use smart buildings to understand how collaboration is happening in our space and outside of our space. So. We're connected to Microsoft Teams, and it, it tells when the employee is in the office or at home, and, and you can kind of get an, a sense of their engagement based on the metrics that we've put together there, you know, who they're sitting next to. So when I'm trying to, to move the needle or change something within our company, I'm asking who is collaborating with who and how can I affect different outcomes? Maybe by placing people next to other people and you know designing more collaborative environments, or asking different departments to collaborate together to change outcomes within our company. I think it's real data that you can actually put action to, because you're measuring human behavior and real estate.: yeah. yeah.
0: And how does this really become a priority for people or for companies? I would say. So a company that has a workplace mm-hmm. who has seen, we're like in this post-COVID era, how do they then become aware that mm-hmm. of all of this information that you're sharing, of all of the data and how their workplace to be redesigned or even designed better for their employees?
1: All right. Well, it's new. But if you, if you have a co-working space or you have a hybrid work environment, it's a really great option for that because it has everything from desk booking to heat maps and thermostats and all the data that we need to really understand how busy our hives are, if you will, and how our people are working together. But how do they become aware? I mean, I think that they should start reading about the benefits of smart buildings and some of the insights that you can get. But, you know, there's a couple of ways real estate makes money. And as a CEO, I think about this too, because I think about how much I invest in my real estate every day. And I think about how busy is my real estate and how we can utilize it. I also want people back to work and collaborating, but I don't want to give up the things that we had gained in the hybrid work environment because I think we have some freedoms and the workforce was a little bit more balanced with, you know, taking care of our children and things like that. So it's a great way to create an atmosphere for people working in your space to see who's collaborating in the real estate real time. So all of our employees have access to who's in the office and who's not in the office. So they can see who they want to collaborate with. And if there's somebody that's going to be in the office on Tuesday or Wednesday, they can go and collaborate with them. It almost creates a fear of missing out a little bit. So that's been great. But the insights that you gain from smart buildings go way beyond energy. And I think that's what's important to remember is how can you take human behavior in the built environments? And how could it be influenced? And when we say influence, I think that's a scary word. Nobody wants to be influenced. But if you have a building and you're a developer and no one is using the third floor, you can influence things to get people to use the third floor. Like there's, you can put things on the third floor that get people up on that third floor that would attract them to the third floor. Or if you have people who are not using the second conference room, You can kind of understand why. Like maybe it's 75 degrees in there all the time, and people don't want to go in there because it's just really uncomfortable. So you're not using that real estate. And that's really important. Those are important things to learn. The return on the investment is far greater than many expect.
0: Yeah, I love that. ROI is what every company is thinking about across the board. So I love that you linked it to that. So a few things that I also shared in your introduction was a quick snippet about IoT and Elevated Environments app. So tell us more about that and how other companies can can leverage everything that you all have.
1: So we started as an IoT integrator, which is an Internet of Things integrator. And basically that means it's a device that talks to you and talks back to us. It's a two-way communication device. And it could be a light, it could be a thermostat, it could be a camera, it could be a sensor, you name it. And we put all those things together and put them under one piece of software. And that software is called Elevated Environments. And we decipher the the data in different ways. And we can take it as far as creating digital twins and metaverse workplaces for people. But it starts with an IoT base. And we are literally, you know, creating a digital bridge from the physical to the digital space. And that's essentially what we set out to do. We've created this digital bridge. So Elevated Environments is the name of our software, and you can find it at environments.tech. And we're soon to be launching Elevated on its own website, which we'll share with you at a later date. But uh, we're really excited about, you know, the kind of the legs that it's taken in the last two years.
0: Yeah. Well, in this short conversation, I feel like I've learned a lot and need to go do some research. But is there anything else that you want to share with those who are listening about the metaverse, about the technology, about the data, anything that comes to your mind?
1: Sure. I mean, the metaverse is not so scary and it doesn't always have to be this weird utopian thing. It really could be very architectural and we can put our architecture in the metaverse and use it in different ways. So I think that. Just encourage people to have an open mind. And, you know, if you're looking or you're curious about digital twins or digital infrastructures in your architecture, please reach out to us. We've been doing this for a while now and we understand it. And again, uh, environments.tech is our website and uh, you can find all our contact information on there.
0: All right. And is there anywhere that people can also find you guys on social media that you'd like to share?
1: Yep. We have an environments.tech on LinkedIn and lighting environments. You can find both of those on Instagram or LinkedIn, Facebook. We have them all. So I'd love to interact with you. That's great. All mm-hmm.
0: right. Well, thank you so much, Erin. This has been a delightful conversation. I'm going to go get some books on <laughs> AI and the metaverse and everything after this, and hopefully we can connect in Baltimore because we're both here as well. I know. I love that. That's yeah. Great. So thank you so much for being a guest and thank you all for listening. Thanks for joining us this week on Thrive and Design. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Thrive in Design. And for more strategies on how your product company can innovate in the interior design industry, head to training.thriveanddesign.co As always, subscribe to the show to catch every new episode and leave us a review so we can continue to create captivating content. See you next week. Oh,